You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. The title of my message this morning is A Growing Church is a Moving Church, or a Church Moving Forward. The truth concerning the Christian church is that we are in a race to the finish line. And everyone who finishes wins. That's all you got to do, is finish the course. Paul, nearing the close of his life and ministry, had this to say. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have been faithful. The King James says, I have kept the faith. It is said that we, know, we are either going forward, standing still, or falling behind in our Christian walk. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, Paul says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, looking to the future. I press to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. God wants every one of us to strive for that prize, that heavenly prize, to be forever with him in his glory. Paul believed in moving forward. It's the only way to avoid stagnation and failure in our Christian lives and in the Christian church. As a church, we need to be intent on moving forward. It is God's intent that his church, his people, grow both spiritually and numerically. God wants us to move forward. And so my first point this morning is, we are called to influence our world. And we either influence for good or for evil. But we are influencing people. And God wants us to influence our world for him. The Bible tells us that we are salt to our generation to our world around us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. How do we lose our saltiness? as Christians? 
How do we lose our effectiveness as we profess to be born-again believers? Christians can lose their effectiveness. Many times we begin well but stop or we end badly. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, refers to this as a dog returning to its vomit. Not a very nice illustration, is it? But it's a biblical illustration. And I think it is, God allowed it to be used for a very specific reason. To show us how disgusting it is for one who has started in the race and gives up or becomes careless or is not walking according to the word. We have a responsibility to be effective, effective witness for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. After all, we are called after him, aren't we? We are Christians. We are also light to the people around us in our sphere of influence. The people that we work with, our families, our neighbors, the people that we come in contact with and have business with. Jesus said in verse 14 of Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Then in verse 16, he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. To put it in a nutshell, God is saying, Jesus is saying, be visible Christians. If you are a light, then shine. Don't be hidden. Don't be a closet Christian. Come out of the closet. And be known for Jesus Christ. Peter tells us that we are chosen by God to make a difference. Second Peter, or First Peter, rather, two nine. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We need to be shouting what God has done. We need to be taking opportunity of every time that we can to share our faith. When someone is sick, Many of us has a healing story. 
something that God has done in our life, how he miraculously healed our bodies. People who are sick need to hear that, even if they know and they believe that Jesus is the great physician. There's something powerful about a testimony that touches the heart of God's people. We can bring change to our world by teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and in deed. And how many know that preaching the gospel is not just regulated to the guy on the stage? You preach the gospel every time you talk about Jesus, every time you give your testimony, every time you share your faith, you are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are leading people and helping them. You're watering or planting seed so that others can come to a full knowledge of Jesus Christ. By doing so, we're showing love and mercy and grace as Jesus taught us to. Helping to change the hearts and minds of those who live around us. It is our part to share. The Holy Spirit will take over from there. We don't have to do it all. Amen? The Bible says that nobody can come unless God draws them, unless the Spirit draws them. But you and I, as we share our faith, begins to open up revelation into the hearts of people, and the Holy Spirit will do the work. The Holy Spirit will draw them. We can evangelize our communities for Jesus. Our community is open to the gospel of Jesus Christ more than we think. You look around, you hear what people say, you, you hear them cuss, you hear them speak negatively about Christianity or the church or whatever, but they're open to hear the gospel more than you think. If you try to share the gospel in a setting different than in a church, let's say with five or six of your fellow workers, and you're the only Christian there, and you decide you're going to give them the gospel. It's like throwing a little kitty cat into a pack of dogs. They'll turn on you, they'll, they'll back each other up and just try to put you down. But you get one of those guys or girls alone and have an intelligent conversation with them and you will find out that they're interested in hearing what God has done in your life, how he has changed your life, your attitude, why you don't curse like they do, why you don't drink, why you don't smoke, why you don't chew or go with girls that do. Now, some of these things, folks, are just dirty habits. Let's be honest. 
Some of these things are not going to keep you out of heaven. But you have cleaned up your act. You have changed your attitude. You've got better things to do, right? You're in love with Jesus Christ. And you want to be a good witness for him. And that is the goal of our midweek meetings, our midweek ministries. In Mark chapter 6, verse 15 and 16, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. Our midweek services are geared towards preparing the saints for the work of the ministry. We know full well that a 30-minute sermon on Sunday morning can't do it. We have men like John Camp, a powerful man of the word, that is pouring into many of you people on Wednesday evenings. And you are getting taught the pure word of God. And it will help you to be a tremendous witness for Jesus Christ. Others of you are attending Troy McMillan's meetings. And again, these meetings are geared to get the, the, the people, the congregation into a, a, a zone of being led by the Spirit, using the gifts of the Spirit in order to reach out into the community. It is never intended, neither of these meetings are intended to make us spiritually fat. But it is to make us spiritually active for the kingdom of God. We have a strong emphasis on missions. We need to improve in this area. I need someone who has a real heart for missions to help me raise the bar for world missions. I'm thankful for what we can do, what we have been doing in missions. But looking forward, I believe that we have a stronger part to play in missions. I'm continually getting requests from missionaries for help. And it's like I heard Tony Campello say one time, not, not Tony Campello, but uh, James Robinson, doing uh, work with children overseas. And he said, the sad part about it is there are so many in need, and we can't say yes to one without saying no to hundreds. 
And so there's a great work to be done, especially among the children of the world that is left homeless because of famine and flood and terrorism and calamities. Just this morning, I got another email from missionaries from Cambodia doing a tremendous work. But I have to say no, because we are filled to capacity with our missions projects already. But I believe that as we are going forward and as we grow and as we expand and as God begins to bless us physically, spiritually, and financially, we will be able to do more and more for the kingdom of God. This does not mean that we neglect our community, our home base. The local church needs to be aggressive in spreading the gospel at home, giving our time, doing the work of the ministry, using the talents that we have, giving our talent, using the gifts that God has given us for the work of the ministry, giving our things, faithful in tithes and offerings, to support the work of the ministry. Secondly, we are called to invest in the next generation. Leadership development is important within the church. We who are leaders now are preparing the church leaders of the future. We need to follow the biblical standard to lead by example. Second Timothy 2, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. Paul is saying, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul invested himself in training up of Timothy. And Timothy was to do the same with other faithful Christians. And these Christians in turn would invest themselves in others. The greatest pyramid scheme you ever could imagine. And this one is biblical. Christian leaders must develop future leaders. We are doing this at, at the children's church level already. As we endeavor to move the church forward into the future, we must continue to build upon the foundation of Scripture. I remember a few years ago, we're into going into our 16th year here. I remember Cynthia having a real problem with finding leaders for the children's program. It was a real difficult problem. 
But God gave her inspiration. And she said, if I'm having problems getting the adults to help me, then I'm going to teach those young people to be leaders. And you go into that program right now. You need to take a Sunday sometimes and, and see if you can go in there and just see what's going on. These older young people in there are leading the younger ones. And this year, as she begins her VBS program, the bulk of her leadership for the program will be her young people. These young people will soon be going into the youth program. And we want them to be able to be a core for what God is going to be doing in the future in Colette Community Church. The Bible, God's Word, is our authority for everything we do. Listen to the word of the Lord to Joshua. Joshua 1.8. Now if this worked for the children of Israel way back then, I believe it still works for the church today. I know it does. This book of the law, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That's biblical instruction for success, folks. We need to heed it. God's word is our standard. In it, we will find all that is needed for every situation of life. If we remain steadfast in his word, we will know his will. You're not going to find it any other way. There are no shortcuts. The word of God is his will. If we do what God's word says, we will be successful in our endeavors. So thirdly, we're not only called to invest in the next generation in their leadership, we are called to change. Someone has said that God loves us just the way we are, but he refuses to let us stay that way. He wants to see growth in our lives. Thus the awesome change in the believer's life. Anyone who receives Christ, he becomes a new creation. The old sinful life is over and done with. Amen? No person can grow without change. No church can grow without change. It may be uncomfortable with change. However, we are called to change, to grow, and to overcome. We should look at change as a real challenge. As to what is God going to do next? As he lays 
things upon our hearts and in our minds, and we get the sense that we have the mind of Christ as you listen to the prophetic words that are coming out, and you listen to the hearts of the people in conversation, and you realize, yes, I'm not the only one that is feeling this. No, I'm not the only one that is sensing that God wants to move forward, that God wants to do something in his church. And so we're encouraged to go forward. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to effect the change that he desires in us and in our church. When we step from the plateau of maintaining and begin to be a growing church again, we will be faced with new challenges. And how many know that Colate Community Church has been plateaued for a while? There hasn't been any growth. I've always, every church I've ever been in, I've always made it clear that I was not interested in being a maintenance pastor. When we step from the plateau of maintaining and begin to grow again as a church, we're going to be faced with new challenges. The devil would certainly love to hinder us in our work as we move forward. Therefore, 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says, Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. If Satan hindered the work of the ministry and the apostle Paul's life, what makes us think that we would escape when we answered a call to go forward? We must remember that our many midweek services are meant to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This is how the body continues to grow. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, But speaking the truth in love, the truth is God's word. We don't use it like a hammer. We don't use it to beat people over the head with. But it is the truth that sets people free. And so speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined, knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We encourage one another. And as I do my part and you do your part, we will see growth in the body of believers. We will find ourselves active in evangelism, like the church of, of Thessal Thessalonia. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 8, this is what Paul says. He says, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. 
Isn't that amazing? The church was doing its part in spreading the gospel so that when Paul came to that area, he said, me and my team, we don't need to do anything. You've done it. Now we can move on to somewhere else. We can spread the gospel to somewhere else. It's not a one-man show. The day for putting pastors and evangelists and apostles and prophets on a pedestal is over, folks. We are workers together in Christ. As our building fills, in this growth period that's coming, as our building fills, it will become tempting to slack off. But we need to keep moving forward. We may not do it this time the way we did it before with two services on a Sunday morning. Maybe we'll do something different. Maybe we'll have a Saturday service. Maybe we'll decide to start a satellite church, another Pentecostal church in the community. Why not? They've got a liquor store on every corner. Let's beat the devil at his own game, right? We will find ourselves expanding in benevolence. Do you know that the original purpose behind the collection in the early church was for this cause, was for benevolence? Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 to 2 says. Now concerning the collection for the saints. Now that's not people who have died. Some people get the idea that you got to die before and somebody got to name you a saint. But the Bible talks about you and I as saints. When we accept Jesus Christ into our life, we are washed, we are cleansed. By the blood of Jesus. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ was all about. Turning sinners into saints. Amen? Amen. And so there are some of the saints in the Christian world then that were in very dire straits. They were in great need. They were suffering great persecution. Some of them had their homes taken from them. Some of them had their crops burnt. They were treated horribly. And so the church is doing something about it. And so he says, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do the same, or you must do also. In the, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. It's getting ready to take a bulk sum of money 
to the suffering church. The work of the local church goes far beyond providing a place where people can simply worship from week to week. Now, of course, that is very important. What we're doing right now is very important. But this is not the whole picture. There are people all around us that need the Lord. There are people in Coal Lake that don't even know anything about Jesus other than a curse word. And they don't know why they say that. They just say that because they heard it. They're just repeating what someone else said. It's not that they hate Jesus. It's not that they hate God. They don't know nothing about him. And it is the church's responsibility to introduce them to the lover of their soul. Number four, we are called to focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says that he's making intercession for each one of us. And he's the author and the finisher of our faith. From beginning to end, he is with us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. We must live above pettiness. Many a good church has been ruined by pettiness. Notice Paul's concern for the church of Philippi. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. Implore Eudia and I implore Senchi to be of the same mind in the Lord. Apparently there was some discord between those two ladies. And Paul is saying to the church, Work with them, talk with them, pray with them, so that they become like-minded. When churches lose sight of their primary purpose, they are ripe for being torn apart by selfishness, gossip, and division. It is disastrous if we begin to major on minors to blow problems out of proportion. Every church has its problems because we are imperfect people. If you ever find a perfect church, a perfect congregation, I wouldn't join it because I would corrupt it. Paul's exhortation, exhortation to Philippians is a correction 
for the pettiness in the church. Listen. Philippians 2, 1 to 5. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. A church who even its core would practice this, will be well on its way to power and victory and revival. So in conclusion today, we have so much to be thankful for, both as individuals and as a church body of believers. The Lord has set us up for greatness in every way. We have been circling this mountain long enough. Do you agree? I'm sensing in my spirit that God is saying, it's time to move forward with me. Now, I wish I had all the answers. That's as much as I know. But I'm willing to move. Do you remember that as Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, Exodus chapter 40, verse 38, says, So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. And as you go through these books, from the time they left Egypt until they got to the brink of the Jordan River, that cloud and that pillar of fire stayed with them. They didn't move. If the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they stayed camped there. If that was a week or a month or a year, it didn't matter. This is where they stayed. But as soon as that cloud lifted and began to travel, they got things ready. They put all of their things together because they were going to move because the cloud was moving. The cloud and the fire represent the presence, the very presence of God. They weren't just symbols. They represented God's presence amongst his people. There was a mighty outpouring on the church on the day of Pentecost. 
And the church was endued with power from on high. And from then on, we have been led by the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God says move, when the Spirit of God begins moving, we move with the Spirit if we stay behind. We are in the same predicament that any of the children of Israel would found themselves if they refused to move when Moses moved with the cloud. With a will to do what the Lord desires of us. And with an attitude of gratefulness to him. Let's press forward in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's allow God to lead us. Let's open up our hearts. Let's not complain like the children of Israel did. God had to send plagues among them to get their attention. Let's follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm out of line, if I'm willing, if I'll soften my heart and humble myself before God and say, Lord, I want nothing, only what you want. I want your leading. I want your guiding. There's going to be spiritual people in this congregation and on my board that will sense and understand what God is doing, is doing. And if I can't see it myself, these men and these women will have a leading of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm honest before God and say, Lord, I want what you want, he'll help me to fit in with that plan. Or vice versa, if I'm feeling and sensing something from God, and the people of God in the church begin to see God and say, is that old man crazy or should we follow? Let the Holy Spirit direct your life, direct your thoughts. If God is saying go, you go for it. But something has to happen. We've got to get ready again. We've got to get ready for a march forward. This church that started with 27 people 16 years ago can, can do the same percentage of growth that we see right now. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it's going to look like in the future. But I know that if we'll keep our eyes focused upon Jesus, it's going to look good. It's going to be blessing. It's going to be rewarding. And it's going to affect our community greatly. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word today. Our hearts are open to you. We want to experience what you desire for your church, your people, your community to experience. We want you into our lives, into our homes, into our churches, into our schools. We want you to be the Lord of this city. In Jesus' mighty name.
And everybody says, Amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.